0: Okay, Romans chapter 11. We're wrapping up Romans 11 today. If you need a Bible, we've got guys coming around with a Bible. Raise your hand up. Don't be shy about it. We know you need one. I want you to follow along. Get your hand up high, and we'll get a Bible to you. If you don't own a Bible, it's our free gift to you, and you do now. Okay? Grab that, and then uh, turn to Romans chapter 11. Now, we are in the last four verses of Romans 11 and what we find ourselves in is this kind of linchpin moment within this letter. Okay? So what happens from chapters 1 to 11, there is this kind of stark contrast and transition here in these last four verses that move us into chapters 12 through 16, which we'll cover over the next really five months until the end of the year. And so um, what we see here is Paul looking back and reflecting on the truth that he shared with us through Romans 1 through 11 okay? All of the good news about the gospel. We've said it over and over and over that what he is trying to tell us is that we are messed up. God is good, we're messed up, and we need a Savior to get us back to him because we can't do it in our own strivings, okay? We've tried to do it through law, through righteousness, through goodness, through whatever, and it hasn't worked, and so we need a Savior. And then he shows us that that Savior is Jesus. And only Jesus, that all who call the name of Jesus will be saved, and he is the only name with which man will be saved. This entire idea, consistency, we see in Paul's message that we need Jesus, okay? And then he comes to chapters 9 through 11, which is where we spent most of our time over the last three or four months, and he begins to give us some hard truths, Hard truths about humanity and the fact that he chooses and elects, but not all are chosen and elected, and some, it seems, are hardened. Even as we saw last week that the Jews themselves, partially right now, Israel is hardened for the sake of Gentiles being brought in. And there's, listen, if you don't get any of that, go back and listen to sermons. It's just too much to cover today. In fact, it was too much to cover last week, and we didn't even get through all of it what we constantly see is Paul trying to remind us, hey, this is the gospel, this is the story, this is what saves us. And then he moves into 33 through 36 here, this last portion of the first half of Romans, and he moves into what? A song. Four verses in this song of praise to God. The linchpin moment in the entire book of Romans is these four verses, this song to God singing his praises. In light of what he's done, in light of the gospel, Paul sings. So here's the truth about the way we've been created, okay? Every single one of us in this room, regardless if you believe it or not, you were created a worshiper, right? Like your heart will be inclined to praise, give honor, give glory, to worship something in your life, okay? You're just, that's the way we work. We worship something. The goal and what Paul's trying to communicate is the only thing worth worship is God himself. It's just Jesus, okay? How about an amen? You guys are quiet today get in there. There you go. The only thing worth our worship is Jesus. It, it's God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's everything he's done. In, in light of the gospel, we praise, we worship, we take the identity of who we are, and we incline it to where it should be inclined. We put all of that effort, all of that praise, all the, all the love we wish to give to different things in this world, we try and put most of it, if not all of it, to God, and then we let the rest trickle down. That once we get this, the rest kind of falls into place. And so what we'll see in, verse, in chapters 12 through 16 as we move forward starting next week is the tangible outworking of what it means to worship and love God. In light of the gospel, that we get the gospel, we worship God, and then in response, 12 through 16, these tangible, okay, this is what it looks like. Your life should do this. You should do this. This is what, and on and on and on. And that's what we get in the book of Romans. So today, here's my goal for us. Okay. Here's my goal, and listen, I I thought the music already in the morning in the first little part here was amazing. I I expect God to just show up in this this last set to just be beautiful. My hope for us is that as we see Paul sing his song, we'll, we'll be reminded of the song that we've been given. The song that moves us to praise. The song that calls for us to raise hands if we want to. It calls for us to to look around and not care who's listening because we know the audience of one is being praised, that whole thing. So my desire is we get to the end of this, and there is this overflowing, not just external we're doing the song we're singing, but in your heart you are so moved by the gospel and the character of God that praise is just overflowing and erupting from who you are. That's my desire, because I think that's what what we see happening in Paul's heart here. That's what we begin to see in, in Paul's character as he as he wraps up these these chapters, so um, here's what, here's kind of the, the the theological word for this. If this is so, our theology should lead us to a doxology. Okay, so if you run in those circles and you like the theology, in other words, a right understanding of who God is should lead us to doxology, a praise of God. Okay, in other words, if you just know all this stuff, but it stops there then you haven't gotten it. You don't understand. A right understanding of God moves us. It just has to move us to praise. Now, the truth is, though, I think for us, is that we don't always operate that way. That we find ourselves not praising God. And I think there's a few reasons for it. And this first one is I think it's because we're missing something in our gospel. That's the first one. I think the reason why we don't tend to always be a people moved towards the praise of God in our life, not just on Sundays, but just in everyday life, is because I think we might be missing something in our gospel, number one. Right? That there's something about our understanding of God, his character, his story, something that's, there's something missing from what we learn through chapters 1 through 11. We weren't paying attention that day, we haven't delved into it, we just, we, we have assumptions about who, whatever it might be, there's a hole in, in the gospel that we believe, okay? And, and so hopefully, what we tried to do, and I think Paul tried to do, is through the first 11 chapters, say, man, this is it. I mean, he starts in chapter 1, verses 16, and man, the power, that, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, and he begins to work out the tangible implications of that throughout the next 10 chapters. Okay. And so I think he was trying to address that for us. Say, this is what the gospel is. Believe it. Know it. Saturate yourself in it. And then, and then go, um, go from there. Okay. Uh, number two is I think um, sometimes we're missing something in our lives. And here's what I mean by that. We, we have these things in our lives that we have expectations or desires for, and then we think God doesn't fulfill it until we go chasing other things. Right. And we talked about this before. We call this idolatry. So first, I think there might be a hole in our gospel. Second, I think there's just a hole in our lives that we try and fill with things that are not God. And so we chase after this and chase after this and chase after this in hopes that that is going to fill the hole, fill the gap, fill whatever we're missing, and then, and then when we're happy, we can move into praise. So, for example, I, I just, like I said, got this boot, which proves my injury. And, um, and so here's the deal. Right now, I feel no pain. I mean, it is just, it's just in there, and they've got this little neat, like, Nike Air Jordan air pump right here, just gets that thing real snug, and um, when it's in there, no pain, because it's not moving, it's not shaking, I mean, nothing, and so in my mind, my thought is, man, I'm, I'm healed, like, I'm good, the truth is, okay, I'm still broken inside. As much as my feeling is, okay, this thing has fixed me, the reality is, is inside the boot, there is a fractured talus. Okay? Anatomy. (laughs) There's a fractured bone in my ankle. And aside from the intervention of God, it's still broken in there. And I know this to be true because I took off this boot last night to fall asleep, and immediately there was pain. And here's what I think we do is with these idols in our lives, is we say, okay, man, I'm going to chase after this. I'm going to chase after this. And then what happens is is happiness comes, right? I mean, like, let's not fool ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves. I mean, like, when we chase after some things of this world, they make us feel great. Like, there's good things in this world, and we chase after them. We make them everything, and they bring happiness. Sometimes they'll bring kind of that, that momentary, okay, I'm good. And we think, oh, everything's fixed. Right? The, the hole that I felt was fixed now because I'm dating this guy, and he loves me. This, this, this hole in, in my heart about and being insecure about who I am is fixed because I got this promotion. Right? This hole, and on and on and on, we all have those different things. And so we have this belief in that moment, okay, well, the pain's gone, everything must be fixed. And so, okay, then I'll, okay, God's now worthy. But in the whole time, it's just you're chasing after something that's never actually going to fix you. And so I think that's maybe the second hole in our praise. The first hole, and we don't understand the gospel. There's holes in it. The second hole is that, man, we just chase after things that are not God and hopes they'll fulfill us. And the third one, I think, is that we're just missing something in our reflection. In other words, as we look back, even—so even, okay, even if you get the gospel story, you know you have all the knowledge in the world— and, and you could regurgitate chapters 1 through 11, and you know every single step of the way about what this means, the story of God, and yet you're not able to look upon it in a way that moves your heart and your soul to praise to God, then I think there's also still an issue. That sometimes there's, there's, a, problem, um, there's a problem in our reflection. Um, Tim Keller, and he's this, this author and pastor in, in uh, New York City, says this, says, If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an, ideal, an idealized version of yourself. Okay. If, if you reflect back, okay, and, and you look back on this gospel, and you're looking at it, and you're just like, you know what? I don't, eh. Like, I, I don't really, okay, that's a good thing. Like, there, there's a reality to the fact that we're not God that we have to get, and that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts and that mystery in and of itself should move us towards praise. What happens often, though, with us is our reflection means we look back even on truths that we read clearly in Scripture and say, eh, I don't know about that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe this instead. It's going to come in line with what I want to be true. And I think, honestly, that inhibits praise. Because you're not actually worshiping God. You're worshiping a version of God that you've created. And that's not helpful. It's not helpful to worship something you've created. Okay? We worship the one who is creator. Big difference in that. And so I think those are the three three biggest holes in the midst of this. We always think that we have this a little more figured out than I think we do. We always think, okay, looking back, maybe I can do a little better. I was... um, Thinking about this this week, and uh, in high school, I remember I was a junior in high school, and I played football, and I was I was a, I was a guard, and um, and just loved it, loved playing football. And the uh, my w- my junior year, we were watching the seniors. Lose in the first round of CIF playoffs in, in Southern California, okay? And, and they were just getting absolutely destroyed. I mean, just, I mean, they were losing like 42-0 to zero at halftime. So just really, really bad game. And, and Jared, my buddy who played tackle next to me, says to me, he goes, hey, man, not us. This is not going to happen to us. We're going to do better, right? That, that we saw what happened to them, and we said, we're going to do better than them. We know better. We're going to play harder. We're going to try harder. We're gonna, and we're going to make this happen. We finished that season 2-7-1, didn't even make playoffs. It was that bad, we tied. We tied in football. And I remember thinking about this this week, and just thinking like, man, again, we thought we had this all figured out. Like we thought, okay, man, we're going to try harder. We're going to do this better. They didn't really get it. See, when we, when we allow ourselves to think we've fully grasped God, I, th- I, think, I think we miss out on some of his praise. Okay? So there is that front end, listen, know him, know the gospel, understand what the Bible says, but then understand you have limitations. Okay? And so if we, if we get puffed up in our knowledge, you're not going to praise God. If you just leave knowledge behind, you're not going to praise God. It's, it's both. And so we have to find that, that kind of helpful balance. Okay? So here we go. Let's, uh, let's move into the text. Verse 33, the first line in Paul's song. He says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Again, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. Here's the Lego quote, right? Everything is awesome, right? You look at God and he's just awesome. He's perfect. Everything about him is good. And even the stuff I don't understand is good because he is God. I love this first bit because you have to to take into context Paul here. Who is Paul? What do we know about Paul? The reality of Paul is he just finished three chapters talking about how multiple of his brothers and sisters don't know Jesus. And he's contemplating what does it mean for them to perish. He's contemplating the fact and the reality that his life is filled with persecution. And yet his song, the song he sings in light of the true gospel, in light of the fact that he gets the gospel, in light of the fact that he understands that there are limitations to it at the same time, as that he says, oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. He's bigger. He has more. He knows more. And he practices and lives it out better than anything we could ever comprehend. He is God. You see, our praise cannot be contingent on your personal circumstance. And it too often is. And that's a hard pill to swallow. Because we tend to just be people that, man, in response to not God's good story, but rather our good story, then we praise. Things have become good enough for us, and so we say, yes. Well, understand, Paul's coming from this. He looks around. Life's not great. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How inscrutable his ways. And just just this moment of humility of Paul in the midst of his life to say, Listen, I, I don't fully get it, but you are so big and you are so good. I don't know what to do with it. I love the start of this song, this immediate, this, this, this move to praise of Paul. And I just asked myself, even as I was studying it this week, and Nate and I were talking about it in the liturgy, and, and just like, when is this, when do I do this? Well, Sundays at 10 a.m. I do this. I, I you know, I have that moment where I come in here, and we're going to sing some songs, and so, yeah, okay, then I'll reflect. And I'll say, oh, I'll sing these songs. God, help me with my unbelief. I'll sing these songs, Lord, you're my shepherd. I mean, we, are, we are not meant to be worshipers for an hour and a half once a week. Okay, we're not meant to be praising God for 90 minutes once a week. So I begin asking, I man, how often am I doing this? How often do I just sit and I reflect on the truth of the gospel and the truth of who God is, and then I am moved in my heart and in my external actions to a praise and worship of God? What What does that look like? Let's keep going. Verse 34. For For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Here's what I like what Paul does, is he starts right in verse 33 with, okay, this is who God is. All praise needs to start with him, but then next comes and focuses back on us. Okay, so praise starts with God, verse 30. You come to verse 34 and 35, and he turns it back on man because there's, there's an instance here where we just have to understand our place before. And you'll notice that when we set up our liturgy on Sunday, I don't even know if you get this or if you're here when Nate shared it probably months and months ago, is that we intentionally structure this service so that we sing a song in the beginning of adoration of God, praise of God. God, this is what you've done. The second song we always introduce is a song of confession, which is what this verse is in 34 and 35. 33 is adoration, 34 and 35 is the confession moment of every service we do every Sunday. We are limited, we are broken, we do not get it. We're limited. For who has known the mind of the Lord who has been his counselor? See, what Paul does is he takes the three things that he just praised about God in verse 33, and then he comes to us in verse 34 and 35 and says, okay, you know the three things we just herald about God? We can't do any of them. So the knowledge, right? Who knows God's mind? In other words, who knows the depths of God's mind, knows the things that he knows? This has that tangible knowledge. No one here on earth. Who has the wisdom, right? Who has counseled him? Who, in other words, has put that knowledge into practice to let you know how you should live your life the way God has? Nobody. Who can counsel God? Who can be his wisdom? Nobody. And then the last one is riches. Who can repay him with anything? Who has enough to give back to God? He has everything, right? What do you give to the girl or the guy that has everything? We, we, we in this moment we have to understand that a big part of our praise is a right understanding not just of God but a right understanding of ourselves to understand this morning listen that none of us deserve this grace that we keep talking about none of us deserve listen none of us deserve to be able to sing these songs and actually understand the words at a heart level that God came in That he can change us. That he can bring belief. That he can be our shepherd. All of the truths that we sing every single week, those are gifts from God. The song you've been given, the song I've been given is a gift from God. So rightful praise and honor and glory and worship must start with God, our adoration of him, see how great he is, but then next to that must be, okay, man, God, if you're that great, and I just take maybe a two-second honest triage of my life and who I am, I've been, I begin to realize pretty fast that I'm not that great. That, oh, the depths and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, but oh, the lack of those things in my own heart, mind, and soul. Okay. And so in these truths, when we see this chasm Right? when you see this great chasm between who God is and who we are and then you believe and understand the gospel story which we see here in verse 36 verse 36 for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever, amen for from him and to him and through him are all things that this entire world is controlled by him that everything we are is subject to him as Lord, as Savior as the one who's graced us all Even when we don't understand it. Even when we realize that our knowledge is limited, we still trust him. Like, okay, so I went and had an MRI. Who's had an MRI before? Okay, wow, a lot of you. So that machine is, one, gigantic, two, scary, and three, I have absolutely no idea what it's doing. Okay? And so all I know is they slide you in and out on this little thing. And my leg was just, you know, in like a little bubble, whatever. And and they just, you hear these loud noises for like 30 minutes, um, which was just crazy. And it was interesting because even I was in there, one of the benefits, I don't know if you guys had MRI here in Flagstaff, but if you do, Northern Arizona Reology, they let you listen to your own Pandora station. Just FYI, fantastic. Um, And she was so sweet. She's like, do you want to listen to anything? I was like, yeah. Like, do you know the local natives? She's like, oh, yeah, I do. I was like, oh, preach. And, um, and so, so all I know is is that while I'm in there, I have absolutely no idea what this thing's doing. But I know it's good, right? Like, I don't know the science of what's happening in that machine, why this thing is making these super loud noises or why it's ultimately going to be better. I just know it's good for me. I know that by doing this, this machine, this thing I do not get, is for me, right? It's for me. It's going to give me good things that then I can figure out what's going on with my foot. See, it it does not matter. We do this over and over and over in our lives. We trust things, and yet sometimes I find that we don't trust God. We get so welled up in pride. We think we know better, on and on and on, whatever the things are. We know God is good, but then we let things come in, and so then we forget for a moment. And so, man, with praise, we have to understand, again, who he is and who we are. If we forget who we are in the midst, if we forget the gospel, we forget that for him it's all things, if we forget that piece of this, and all the knowledge in the world won't do anything, you'll get caught up in yourself. You'll get caught up in what you think is best. You'll get caught up in your own pride. And you're going to end up praising yourself and not God. Or you'll praise a version of God that isn't really God um what you what you have to understand is that every one of us in this room I, I get it i mean I, I get to meet with a lot of you and and i 'll be honest and I sit down with some of you, and i 'm like man that that is really tough, and some of you guys are walking through seasons and walking through stories that are significantly harder than anything i 've walked through i I shared with uh with the prayer team this morning there 's a family friend of ours out in Thailand and their partners that they're working with out in Thailand have a six-year-old girl that got a virus and in two days is in a coma. I mean, out of the blue, no idea what's going on, right? And and now this family is kind of sitting in this reality of, okay, wait, like, we thought we knew all, I mean, this is who we believe God to be, and how does this all fit into the equation? And so I get that, listen, everyone here, you guys all have different stories. And and, and hear me. I believe you all have personal reasons why you think you don't want to praise God. Whether that be because of something that's happening right now that you're sitting in, or may it be just because of something that's happened in your past. We've probably, if we could probably go around the room and everyone here has probably got something, where they're like, yeah, you know what, Like, if I, if I was honest, I don't think God deserves too much praise for that one what we see throughout scripture and what we see I think in Paul's life and his exclamation here in this moment we see in God's word is that in all things through all things we trust that this good God that we know about that we trust that all things are through him and for him and by him and so even the most difficult circumstance should draw us to praise which listen I get it doesn't make a ton of sense In the world's economy, it doesn't make a ton of sense for us to say, okay, I'm battered and bruised, and this is my reality right now, or it's been my reality in the past, and I'm going to raise holy hands to a God because I've been given a new song. That doesn't always make sense for us in the way that this world views things. But in light of the gospel, in light of who God is, things become a little clearer. And we finally can begin to reorient our hearts towards worship of God, not just on Sunday for 90 minutes, but in every minute of every day for the rest of your life. But we've got to continually get God, this is who God is, this is who we are, and then come back in with the gospel because everything happens by his hand. All things for his glory and your joy. So let's not miss it, okay? Let's let's not miss it. And then I want to land... Um, with a couple things here, and that's, I promise that's the only time I'm going to say land. Um, none of this, hear me, none of this that Paul's saying, okay? These, this song does not make sense for Paul to sing if Jesus did not do and say the things that he did and said. Like this, this, Paul, if, you, again, if we know his story, coming out of the past that he has, does not come in and sing his song, this praise to God, if he didn't encounter him, if he didn't know him, if he didn't see him raised, if he didn't believe in his gospel. If Jesus did not, raise, if Jesus did not live and die and raise, all of this is invalid. And it makes no sense for this guy to sing this song. And so the capstone, hear me, the capstone of why when I'm off this stage and we're going to sing a few more songs, the capstone for why you can raise your hands and praise to God regardless of where you're at today is because the Savior of the world, the one that Paul talked about and alluded to for 11 chapters, came and died and rose for us. Because he's our Savior. Because he did and he said the things that he did and said, we can walk in praise of him. That has to be the capstone of of everything we do. And as we work this stuff out, listen, we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Why? Because Jesus did what he said he would do. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to toil. We don't have to sit in fear. We don't have to be insecure on and on and on. The plagues of this world, the things that move us towards idols that will not satisfy, those things need go away when we fully understand the fact that Jesus lived, died, and rose for us. And there is no greater story, there is no greater thing you will ever hear that should elicit praise the way that should. And so my, my only question for you, okay, is if it doesn't, if it doesn't, If that story, if this reality, I'm going to read something that I journaled earlier. If this story here doesn't move you to praise and song, okay? If it doesn't move you to worship, I I, I need you to ask yourself the question of why not? Where's the hole? Is the hole in your understanding of the gospel? Is your whole in, in your reflection upon it, is your whole being that you focus too much on other things that aren't going to satisfy? I mean, what is the whole in this? Because this, man, this story, again, a good theology a theo- moves us towards praise, moves us towards doxology. So, uh, I want to read this and, and, and I've done this a few times with you guys but sometimes I'll just I'll write stuff in my journal and and I'll just want to share them with you guys and it's just um, this was my reflection this week trying to remind myself of the truths of the gospel and then kind of move my heart into praise and worship of God and so I wanted to share it with you and um and, and I'd ask that you guys just reflect in the midst of it upon, um, upon what this does uh, and is for your heart. I wrote this. I said um, the gospel is is the good news of God. To a blind and disobedient world, it's the power of God unto salvation for all enemies of his kingdom. It is often missed, misidentified, misunderstood, and misrepresented. It's not only about a single day or a single moment, but rather a timeline that spans the scope of history. It's not only about a single tomb and a single cross, but rather an immeasurable number of tombs and crosses that man deserves but will never see. It's not only about this person or that person, about all persons who call in the name of Jesus. It's not only a good story for believers, but indeed the true story for all the world. Salvation to some, yet still foolishness to many. It's not only the answer for humanity, but for all creation that eagerly awaits and groans for redemption. The gospel is not a result of random chaos, but the outworking of love that only God himself contains. It is the story with which all men will bend their knees. It is truth that sets us free from sin, from wrath, from hate, from our own disobedience. It is the only hope for this world because its author is the only hope for this world. God is our strength. He is our comfort, our future, our past, our beginning, our end. Without him, we are undone. He is man's savior, creation's restorer, and history's author. He is majestic, mysterious, and magnificent, yet he is still near. He is personal, and he is here. And he is due all glory and honor and praise. Amen. I. Listen. That's my that's my song. Right. That's that's what came out of me as I began to think about the gospel and think about God and think about what I know about Him to be true. When I thought about Romans one through eleven, this is the song that came from my own heart. My desire. Here's the application. I want you to go this week and I want you to write your own song. And it doesn't have to be all that poetic. It doesn't have to have a bunch of alliteration. I'm a pastor, so I do that. Right. Just write. Just begin. Listen. Write a song. Write a poem if you just really hate writing, I mean, just to speak it. Share it with people. Look back on the gospel. Reflect on your story. Look at him. Look at you. And then realize the gospel. And then praise, praise, praise. Listen, we have to become a people, individually and corporately as a church. And I don't even just mean this here at Redemption Flies. Act. If the church globally wants to have a witness to the world, and yet we don't praise the one who is our center, they're not going to want it. They're not going to care because it doesn't seem all that good to us. But man, I, I just imagine if we, if we captured the reality of where our heart and soul is in light of the gospel, in light of who God is, and we began to sing and to praise and it overflowed from who we are and we wrote songs and poems and we did art and we did all of these different things and we worked unto his glory for his majesty in the world, they're going to take notice and lives will be changed. And so, Again, write a song this week, whatever that looks like, and then share it with somebody. Husband, wife, friend, children, distant uncle you haven't talked to in years. I don't mean, I don't care. Write a song and share it, okay? In light of who he is, in light of you are, in light of the gospel. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. We say it a lot. We say that even those words is even, you know, right before we eat every meal. God, they can often just become kind of trite, repetitive and routine. And so, Lord, we are incapable, I think. I think I am incapable of just seeing you uh, for who you are fully. And, and some of that is, is intended, I believe, But God, I want to ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to just give us greater sight right now. Um, God, give us more clarity of hearing. God, to see you for more of exactly who you are. God, to be able to see more clear the gospel story. God, to be able to see more clear our own story, the idols that we chase, that we'd have an honest triage of ourselves. And then, God, would you you instill in us just a flame and a fire, God, to worship and praise the one who brings all of this together for his glory and majesty. God, would we see clear what you've done for us? God, would you keep far from us distraction, hesitation, insecurity, and all the things, Lord, that would pull us from your praise? God, and I pray that you make us this, people, not just for the next 15 minutes, but for the next 100 years. God, that everyone that sits in this room today, God, would be instilled with the power of your spirit to praise and to worship and to live this out. God, every moment of every day. Because you are worthy of all glory and all honor and all praise. Regardless of where we're at and I pray for those here that are hurting even today and it makes this praise very difficult Lord I pray your comfort and your peace Lord I pray you draw near reveal yourself speak to their hearts communicate love and the gospel set them free from pain bring them closer to yourself where there's fullness of joy God, that in this room there would be singing, there would be dancing, there would be hearts that are overflowing with worship and praise to a God that we don't always understand, but we know is good, faithful, and for us in all things, through all things. And so, Lord, bless us this morning. It's your name we pray.